Congratulations. This is meaningless to me, (laughs) but I'm glad you feel good about it. And welcome back to another episode of Refactored, the show where we try and help you and ourselves suck a little less each day. My name is Frank Cole. And my name is Chris Tonkinson. And this is episode 036, recorded on August 24th, 2021. Yeah, I agree with what you were saying before the show started about stuff updating. So to catch everyone up, just we, we only spoke for just a few seconds, but I thought it was a good place to start. Um, and I know you said you had a thing and we'll get there, but this was kind of fun. So we record the show in Adobe Audition. We have a Adobe Creative Cloud uh, license and creative cloud is kind enough to just sort of update crap for you in the background. And at some point in the last couple of weeks, I rolled from Adobe audition 2020 to Adobe audition 2021, which I find kind of weird since I have this subscription to a service that I kind of figured it would just be the thing, you know what I mean? But, but they still have the annual numbering on the product. Mm -hmm. And so I, now I actually have if I, if I go through my programs, I can see I've got 2020 and I got 2021. And it's like, okay. And in doing so, when I opened 2021, it didn't pull in, <clears throat> excuse me, it didn't pull in the default audio settings that I have for- From 20. For, from 20. So, so all the sources were busted. So this microphone, didn't it, it didn't have my mic, your mic, the soundboard. None of it was hooked up. I had to go in and rejigger all the audio settings, which to me- for a program like Audition, which is an audio recorder, seems like it might be useful information to pull over. It's a bit of a deal breaker. Kind of yeah. dumb. Kind of dumb. Now, when you say when you say we record an audition, I want to make it clear to everybody listening. If you like the, if you really like the sound, and we we've worked a lot on the sound of this show. If you like that sound, we are doing the recording in Audition. If you hate our sound, it's actually Frank that does all of the audio production. I I do the back end stuff and Frank is solely responsible. But if you like it, That's yeah, right. it's very much a joint effort a that joint. we we work on. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. Yeah, for yeah, everybody. Now, can you still can back to the point though, can you still open 20? Yes, I can. And in fact, that's how and I And that fixed. works fine. So I opened 20 and saw and, and did my test and found, oh, the audio settings are still there. So I could have, in theory, just started a new session in 20, but I had a few minutes. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll tweak it up a little bit. We're only yeah, you got to move sometime. You got to, you know, yeah. and uh, it was just, yeah, so I, I did that. But yes, 20 is still there. It's it's very, it, it feels very odd. You know, that's strange. You know, yeah. my, I have a I have a license for Microsoft Office 365 as well, and it's just Word. It's just PowerPoint. Right. It's just Excel. They've sort of they've they've moved away from the versioning. You just get the app on your desktop and that's it. It's whatever is current, which I think is great because keeping that's the browser model. Exactly. It's that's the browser right. model and desktop apps, keeping them up to date. Gosh, what a pain in the butt. Yeah. Amen. So they're halfway there. They just need to get away from this, this hard versioning and they have to you know, yeah. carry over settings, which to me. Well, and apparently, hard- apparently keeping. Yeah, apparently keeping versions of like SaaS products is hard too. So let me, you, you had asked last week about my travail with LastPass. Mm-hmm. I've now, I'm switched. I'm off LastPass. So that, that, that decision is made. So I was said- toying with it. Yeah, I've been, I've been playing with Bitwarden for a while. I'm done. So you, I open up LastPass and my wife and I both use it. And so I got a, uh, like a family's account so we can have shared folders and stuff like this, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
I open up LastPass. This is someday last week. Uh, maybe Monday. This is about a week ago. I open up LastPass and, oh, hey, you're now using LastPass in browser mode. You can switch to mobile mode at any time, but you can only switch back and forth three more times. What? What does that mean? What the hell? So I go and I look at it. Well, if you're not if you're not on the premier gold plated spinning rims ice sculpture version of LastPass, you can use it on a mobile platform or a desktop platform. But now both you got upgrade. Now I'm thinking in my head, well, this is strange because I have been a loyal and paying customer Uh for nigh a decade now. Like this, something smells wrong here. So I go in and I click in and I do my thing and I wind up at a page. I forget how I got there, but I wind up at a page that says your last pass family subscription has expired. Renew now to avoid losing da 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 da. Okay. Okay. I didn't think I was due to pay you anything. I think I got like a 10 year renewal the last time I did it because why would anybody leave last pass? It's a good solution. So I go and I click upgrade. Okay. If it's time to upgrade, that's fine. I'll just, you know, trust the internet gods and they're not, you know, bilking me out of money. So I go and I click and so I click renew, right? Mm-hmm. Whoops, you're already signed up. You already started a families with this email address to complete your trial. Please create a new LastPass account or log in with a different what? one now. And then you get the option to log in or create account. What's and good? so it's this loop where it, it recognizes that I have an account. It tells me I'm in families, but that it's expired. And then it says, when I go to try to renew, you already have a families account. And it's this loop that I I can't break out of. Screw it. I exported everything to CSV and I'm I'm now I'm all in on on Bitwarden. It's got a dumb name, but it's it's a drop in. You literally can export import from LastPass, which is done for obvious reasons. Obvious. Yeah. And it's and it's done. It's done. That's it. I've been advocating. I brought LastPass to countless individuals, countless organizations. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the of the idea. I think it is substantively better than like one password. And there's a couple others that are popular, but I think LastPass t- is technically superior. Um, but it was this was the last. It's I, I'm not this. Sounds, I'm not getting yanked around like this. I, I don't think. OK, so playing the playing the other side here, not not just because, you know, that's what I like to do. Prove you wrong. That's that's the, one of my joys in life. Raise on uh, Detra. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why I'm here, at least in part. Um, the other part is to obviously sound awesome on this podcast. Self-aggrandizement. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the other, uh, to me, that sounds like a, like it's busted. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not buying that they're actually overtly trying to jerk you around like that. That sounds like, no, a it bump. is, it is busted. It is busted, but this is the problem. So my wife has had issues with autofill on mobile now okay. for a little while. Right. Uh, sometimes, sometimes sharing doesn't work consistently. Mm-hmm. Now you're not letting me renew, you know, everything. And I'm, I, I really hate to be this guy because I've been there and I know what the pains are and I know how unreasonable a thing it is to assert, but everything was fine until log me and bought them. And then things mm-hmm. started breaking systematically mm-hmm. every six months, something else goes wrong or, and I'm not talking about like, oh, you took away the feature that I like. And I'm one of these resist. You talked last week about how Facebook kept changing and people kept bitching about it. No, I'm saying like they broke features that were there. They tried to do something novel and borked it like mm-hmm. those things break routinely. And it's not just user expectation or 
workflow or things like this. It's just degraded. This is not as good a product as it was once from it from an end user perspective. What is with that? What is this? Okay. We have seen this repeatedly now on multiple in multiple arenas. You have a product from a company that does a good job at what it does. It gets bought because it's good at what it does. The the new parent company proceeds to bork the whole thing up because they want to name it, you know, rebrand it, integrate it further with their own stuff. You know, there's you know the reasons are endless. But why does it always end up degraded? It, it, if to me, it feels like it never actually improves things. Most of these, I mean, the the best products are the ones no. that the ones mm-hmm. that, the best products for me are the ones that subscribe to the 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 Linux school in in terms of we have Unix. If you really want to get technical, actually, it's GNU Unix. And <laughs> then before you even go there, um, so the best the best companies subscribe to that kind of school thought when they build their tool they they, they go hedgehog concept do the one thing do it really really yeah. well and just and just polish it into a really good shine and that's what people like and it's well executed it's well designed i'm looking at i'm looking at mobile providers right now for the very same reason aside from price things are super expensive but i'm looking at mint mobile mint mobile is sort of mm-hmm. built ground up super like Beautiful, simplistic interface, highly focused. It's really, really nice in a way that Verizon's interface literally cannot be because they throw too much crap at you. It is a pile of canine excrement. Can I tell you that? (laughs) Verizon's web interface is just a horrific abomination of all logic and thought. Yes, but Mint Mobile, because they're focused in on you're there, you got a plan, you might have a phone, you know, we're, we're there just to give you the service. And we're we're there to make it you know easy and cheap for you, and the interface is great, and the experience has been great. I'm sort of trialing it right now with a test number to see how what coverage looks like. Uh, Mint Mobile is uh, T-Mobile under the hood. That's that's the provider that they they backbone off of. Um, so you can also look at Ting, which is a similar Ting? a similar so Ting T I N G dot com Ting. They they're. What are they on top of? Maybe the old Sprint network, I think. Sprint. Um, but it's this, it's the same idea. Like you just want your minutes and your megabytes, and you pay like six dollars is your base fee for the for the SIM, and then it's usage on top of that. And it's very affordable. The interface is clean, it's really transparent where the costs are coming from. It's great. Mm-hmm. You if you're you know, if you're just playing around, I would I would look at them too. Anyway, okay. I'm sorry, you're that's, you were off on a whole thing. That's okay. So, so I mean, Mint Mobile because they're just focused in on the service, um, and of course, Ryan Reynolds is a is actually a a major uh, investor in it. And I'll I, I love Ryan Reynolds. He, he, I'll oh. support I'll support everything that guy does. He's he's a great he's a I great will, actor. I will back out of things because they have his support. <laughs> really, really? Yeah, I can't um, stand him. Can't re- stand him. Oh my gosh! Deadpool is one of the best movies that came out in the last. It's like 10 or 15 years. Very look, well, well produced, very well directed, well acted. His acting was phenomenal. Oh, he's so funny. Um, oh my gosh, and he's it, funny. It is, it is the well, no, he's not. That's my opinion. What? Uh it it was a perfect, perfect role for his personality and his style. Yes. yes. But that's the thing I don't like. <laughs> really? Oh my god. I just don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's not like I'm not, I'm not mad at the guy. I just I just don't care for his style. Same thing with uh Chris, one of the 16 popular Chris's at the moment, Pratt, right? Star-Lord. 
Yeah, from, um, from Marvel. You don't like just, Chris Just Pratt? don't don't like him. Don't like his style. Don't like his delivery. I just don't what? like, don't care for it. Oh my, I don't know if we can keep doing yeah. this podcast. This is, this is serious. Maybe not, if what, that's a deal breaker for What you. is, okay, so what is a good actor to you? Who do you like? Since we're talking to males, pick a, you know, pick a, pick a male actor that you, that you really like today. Tell me somebody you uh, like. I, I don't know if I can answer that one on the spot. Like, I'm not, I don't have like a list of favorite actors. I just know. I don't like the two of them. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I thought maybe the ticking would, you know, a little pressure. No. Male actor. Anybody. No, it's it's actually it's actually a little aggravating if I'm being honest. It's causing me not to think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um I okay, used to well, I, I I was I I am still am, I guess, a big fan of Tommy Lee Jones. Now he's not a good actor. Uh, he has one persona, which is just running around barking orders at everybody. But I love the way he does it. Yeah, he's he's um, got his he's got his role in the fugitive and U.S. Yeah, Marshals, exactly. which is literally not yeah. not kind of sort of no, actually, literally the same character as the one in yeah the yeah it's it's, it's a same, sequel yeah it's a sequel yeah. of of sorts yeah it's that one yeah. character he runs a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like this cameo in the um in the first Captain America. Which was mm-hmm. also kind running of around barking yeah, orders at people. Orders exactly. In general. Yep. Yeah, that was the same character. <laughs> uh, uh, volcano, men in black. He's just, it's not, a, it's just Tommy Lee Jones. It's just that person all over the place. <laughs> I, you know, I don't even know why they bother giving his character a different name. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. But he's great. I love it. And the man, and the man was, and so like you look at like the fugitive that was maybe middle 80s oh, and man, like what a great movie what no i think it was the night had, no i think that was the 90s and the weird, i think i saw that in theaters no, late 80s maybe it's maybe a the sequel was early 90s in that time zone connected to the inter, to connect an interconnected network of computers fount of knowledge right that we could actually you know look this sort of information up um yeah let's see here 1993 i was right 93. Okay. Okay. Um, but so like, uh, Oh wait, now you're, you're tying back to Marvel. Uh, um, Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, was in us marshals. Uh, he was in that era. Yeah. Yeah. Stop it. Really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, can't, yeah, I, I forget if it's, him. I always, I, I always get the two movies mixed up. I know that's horrible. I think it's us marshals. He's in not right. the fugitive because the fugitive is uh, a Harrison Ford. Right. Yes. Yeah, the, the 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 primary character is is. Yeah. Is, I think I think U.S. Marshals is the one. He is. With, He's uh, in it. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. yeah. How about that? He plays Royce. I don't know who Royce is. No. I can't remember. I haven't seen that movie in a long yeah. time. No. Man. Uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. I like Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds is a is a mm-hmm. big backer in Mint. Uh, I think he. I actually find his his comedy style really uproariously funny. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, uh, that was the reason I, one of the reasons I was like, eh, okay, I'll give this a try. Um, the product is really, really good. It's really well designed and you can see the difference in focus in customer focus in, uh, customer experience using mint versus using Verizon Verizon. It's like, you're happy to be here. No, no, trust us. You're happy to be here. Shut up, sit down. Here's your stuff. Go away. Um, and it's, you know, the exact opposite with Mint Mobile. But, I mean, we've seen this with other products. So, you know, LastPass is sort of going this way now since they've been acquired by, Lo- by LogMeIn. Uh, our, our favorite, Skype. Skype is my favorite uh, train wreck, uh, acquisition train wreck to talk about. Yeah. You know, well, because we can probably because find more. Of, I'm thinking product, of them off the top of my head. 
Right, but a, a product gets successful because it's targeted and uh, built with uh, built full of care. Right, mm-hmm. it's 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 intentionally designed and built for a specific audience for a specific use case, and so um, that's why it gets popular. And so then what happens, and I think it's inevitable. I think, I think everything that's bought will break eventually because what happens is you have this great product. It's very targeted. Pardon me, which, which necessarily puts a cap on its market. Right. Mm. And so bigger company comes in to buy it because they can provide resources. The resources that they're providing, uh, is not additional thought and care to tailor to the original audience. What they're bringing is know-how and connections to expand that market and you cannot take a you cannot take a targeted thoughtfully designed product and then expand it for mass or enterprise appeal without fundamentally breaking expectations that brought it to the point of success like i i almost i'm almost at a point where i see it as an unavoidable conclusion really where I, that's that's my thinking of it at, at the moment, at least. I don't know how you would respond to that I, I, assertion. I think, I mean, I see why you're, I, I mean, we've seen it happen repeatedly. So, you know, there's a good case to be made that it is in fact inevitable. However, if the, if the goal is to expand the market, well, you know, what makes it attractive, you know, at a smaller scale, you know, people are people are people. So in theory, it should be attractive to a broader audience for similar reasons. And so wouldn't it make sense to do if, if you have, if you put the same care into the, into the development of the audience that went into the development of the product, then you should be able to naturally grow the thing to meet additional needs mm-hmm. and take care of them. Not at the, in same, the same way. And, on a different scale though, on a different scale, you uh, may be able to make evolutionary improvements to the market size of a product by maintaining its natural, its, its original essence, but you cannot make a revolutionary change to the market's addressable market. Yeah. But the, I mean, to scale to me seems like one of the easiest problems to solve, you know, in the digital age replication between, you know, going from one customer to N customers is easy it's a i mean the biggest challenge you have that you know i'm 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 bucketing a ton of stuff under the umbrella of easy but borderline fallacious no well i mean stick with me here you've got a you've got a product you've got an app so i am we're 36 i am stuck with you like i don't know why you (laughs) have to remind me of this you've got a product you've got an app and you push it out there and you find a small audience of you know you start out you've got one customer then you've got 10 then you've got 100 then you've got a thousand and you're still doing the same thing you did with customer one that you're doing with customer 1000. It's, it's a, it's a software product. It's, it's designed to replicate the experience, replicate itself exactly each time. It's merely a question of how fast you can do it. And so it becomes a question of technological horsepower, you know? So now you're, you're, I think your perspective's too narrow there. It's the, the challenge when I say scaling, I'm not talking about going from 10 users to a hundred users. Because you're right, that's a that's a non-issue, right? Throw hardware right. at it. This is this is not a problem, right? Okay. What I'm talking about is scaling the addressable market. So, for example, with LastPass, started out it was a browser extension, right. right? And they were targeting a certain audience. Well, they know they knew 
that in order to capture a larger audience, there were people that were not going to sign on if they couldn't get it on mobile. And yeah, you could use the website on a mobile browser, but it was a crap experience. And so so they deployed native mobile applications, which greatly expanded their addressable market because as the same time they're trying to grow their market share, there are a whole generation of people that don't even have a desktop computer. They just have mobile computing platforms, right? And so that was a great example of what you're saying. Like, you don't need to destroy the essence of the thing in order to expand the market. I think many times that's what happens, though. Whether or not, I'm not, I'm not arguing that there's never a way or that in any particular case there isn't a way to expand the market while not destroying the core experience of the product. I'm saying that in practice, the way that parent companies go about that is by catering to different types of audience, not just expanding the audience that's aware of the product, but bringing in new audiences that have new requirements that drive different types of features that in a backhanded way conflict with that pure essence of the product originally. Yep. Well, did that what question? Did did LastPass develop its mobile app before or after the acquisition? Oh, before. Before. Okay. So they probably, so it was the same parent company pre-acquisition and I got to imagine that they approached, you know, the delivery, the, the design and delivery of that experience to be complementary and equivalent in quality to the browser extension. Oh no, it was fine. Yeah, no, it was fine. And that's, okay. and that's my point it being an example of expanding your so you market can. without sacrificing the core yeah. product. Their introduction of a mobile app was exact a great example and of that. I'm so say, it can okay. be done. Right. So it can be done. And I am suggesting, okay, so that's where I was going. I was saying it can be done mm-hmm. and it should be done. And I think that if you're not, then, you know, you, the thing falls off the rails with the parent company. And what I'm suggesting has a tendency to do so. And what I'm suggesting is it shouldn't. It, I mean, you, you, you it, it, it really shouldn't. I, you know, parent companies no i think in many ways in many ways i think and in many ways i'm saying so it depends on what kind of product you're talking about right i'm thinking in my mind like a b2c product that is then you know where you as an individual human go and open an account and use the service sure and then it gets bought and now that platform is being retargeted to a b2b use case where Mm -hmm. you're going to try to sell into the enterprise Mm -hmm. right so that's what's on my mind here and those features and those workflows and those requirements divert a lot of attention away from the individual market to the mm-hmm. enterprise side. Yeah. And I think, again, not that they have to ruin the core product, but I think because of interpersonal differences between yep. the acquired and acquiring teams, yep. uh, technological differences between the acquired product and the acquiring company's landscape, like a provision lack of tribal not like all of these things contribute to a case where i just don't see many great examples of a company being bought and then pivoted or or substantially expanding their market without sacrificing that quirks like i don't see practical examples of that and it sucks and i'm not i'm kind of not addressing <laughs> your idea that it should be possible and that in many cases we can logically think through how you could do it. I'm just saying I don't see that done. And to the point where I'm starting to believe maybe that it just 
isn't feasible to expect in any case. It Not that you com- don't have exceptions. It all comes back to people is, is what you're saying, because if, you know, the, if the, you know, the, the acquiring team, larger entity doesn't have the same emotional buy-in, um, probably has their attention split to other things. Um, heck, potentially other acquisitions, you know, and so it's so those are getting, all possible. It's not getting yeah. it's it, it is it is literally not getting the same amount of care and attention as it as it did before. Yeah, right. I can, or where I, I or where that. like 90 percent of your engine, let's say let's say I'm last pass and I'm building this product and 90 percent of my engineering time goes to uh, refining that core product. Mm-hmm. Now I get purchased by Logmean. And this is, I don't have knowledge of that. I'm just, you know, off the cuff here. But let's say now I get bought by Logmean and Logmean says, well, no, we're going to target a different audience. And so we need 70% of your effort to go to this other set of features that even if that alone, those other things aren't uh, in, do not stand in conflict with what you, the direction you were moving, they divert, re, they divert attention and then so at, at best case, what happens is that core vision atrophies over time. Mm-hmm. And that can be tantamount to you ruined it for me. Right. Right. Yeah, I can I can definitely. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely see that. And I can see how this would expand beyond simply just products. I could see this being, you know, any kind of any kind of acquisition. Um, so it really goes down to um, execution of the acquisition then. Uh, you know, one of the other things that I just th- to a large degree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things I thought of in, in, as you were describing this, this hypothetical is, uh, you know, you talk about teams being pulled away. Okay. We were focused on this other market. And now we're focused on this, this new thing to expand it. Oh, okay. Well, you're pulling, you're pulling resources away. And that's one way that you lose resources and you lose focus. The other thing is, you know, in the acquisition itself, if, you know, we, we talk, I think we talked about this in the episode where, you know, acquisition, you're going to lose 20 to 30%. Like, oh, yeah. Automatic. Turnover's inevitable. Do- doesn't matter what company, doesn't matter what you were doing, doesn't matter. Like, you're going to lose a bunch of people just because this isn't what I signed up for. I signed up for this other thing and now it's different and I don't, uh, this isn't what I want to do. I'm out. Yeah. And that's natural. Right. And so that's natural. If you're not careful with that remaining 70 to 80%, a bunch of them could end up walking too. And now it can be flipped where you only have 20% left. <laughs> and so now you're, and, and so you've been bleeding off the tribal knowledge that actually makes yeah. the thing go. Now it doesn't matter what the hell you do. You're, you're kind of up the Creek on. Yeah. I don't know though. I, I, yeah, I, cause I could see the other way. Like, okay, I have a company. I'm, I'm going to buy this company. Let's just say in the general case, because they're doing something well and we see greater potential future returns than what are being realized today. Mm-hmm. Right? It's an investment. And so a lot of cases, I think what the purchaser requires, I was going to say expects, but what the purchaser is really after is not to keep that same progress, but to increase it. Right. To do what they can to artificially uh, add some add some growth hormone to that to that chart. Okay. And so by definition, what they've been doing is not what the new parent company wants to do. Even if it's just they want to do the same thing, bigger, faster, better, that's still different. And that level of change, you know, and, and companies are fragile. Like people, teams are are fragile. You can upset the balance and you wind up with these weird ancillary consequences of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also don't think it's necessarily wrong by the acquiring company to say, you got it this far. We're going to do it our way from here. 
Maybe they know better. Maybe they know how to do that. Maybe it is really great. And maybe in the end, they will wind up with a product that is better suited for the ultimate end market than what they started with. Because if you think of it this way, it's like a reset moment. Okay, we bought this product. Maybe it has some users. Maybe it doesn't. What it has is solid tech uh, or, or solid revenue, whatever the fundamentals are, whatever you care about. I say, okay, that's great. Starting from that, even if we don't care about much of the existing audience, is still better than starting from nothing. And so this is like a leg up in that evolutionary yeah. kind of. If the leg that you're standing on is still firm, though. And so I feel, right, like, right. I feel like you're just. Uh, yes. And many companies, though, but many companies that acquire other companies, they, they, they log me and has been around forever, right? I've always found their software kind of buggy and not that awesome, but mm -hmm. it's a it's a large, established, well-respected company that's got decent products, right? Usable products. And so they do come from a position of some authority. I I, I, okay, so I can support this. I talked to a colleague recently who went through in a previous job, uh, went, was part of a company that got, that got acquired by Oracle. And mm -hmm. she said that the experience of being acquired by Oracle was pleasant. It was good. They did a great job at the inboarding of the staff, of the work, and it, it, it worked really well and they were able to retain and things like that. And so, uh, you know, in a company like Oracle, which is, I mean, at this point, it's built on acquisition. You know, the, the thing is just a, you know, oh, it's, not, yeah. it, it's yeah. a 900 pound boulder just rolling down a hill. But they're going to, because of that. They're going you realize to that 900 really, pounds is is very small in terms of boulders, right? Uh, Do you know what? I, 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 you're I'm not sorry, a geologist. I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not a boulder scientist. That's not the point <laughs> of this podcast. Boulder, boulderologist. Yeah. Coming up next week we on Refactored, we're going to have the world's first boulderologist. Boulderology discussion. <laughs> bring your friends, bring your boulders. Oh, it's going to be so interesting. <laughs> Tune in. We're going to talk about rocks. Talk about rocks. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, it's a medium-sized boulder, I guess, by comparison <laughs> to other boulders. Whatever, shut up. And so they've had a bunch of experience doing acquisitions at this point. They've been able to learn mm -hmm. from their mistakes, and now they've got a really, really good system. Oh, yeah, this is, this is acquisition number 4,312 for Oracle. <laughs> they they right. know how to do this. Right, and so they've actually, it has become, here's an interesting thought, the acquisition process has become part of Oracle's tribal knowledge, part of their product, their ethos, yeah. and who they are as a company. It's because part of their part strategic of, advantage it's, it's that they can strategic advantage. It's it's part of their they can, they can execute. Yeah, that they can execute M&A uh, with efficacy. That's that and is which, a strategic differentiator, which is a which I mean, so you could in a way make an argument that they're sticking with a hedgehog concept. It's just a 900 pound hedgehog. It's, you know, they're, yeah. they're just they've they've now in terms of hedgehogs, that would be very, very massive. That would be a massive hedgehog. Would I would very, not want to come across one of those in my daily life. Oh, I would, I would, I would, uh, I would like to, I would like to train and tame that hedgehog and make it into my, you know, my hunter pet. Then he and I can just so go that you around could, and you could fend off fat guys with goggles in helicopters. Exactly. Oh my gosh, I would rule the world with a nine hundred pound hedgehog. Would you? Would you collect a lot of golden rings in oh. your travels? Oh, tons. there'd be lots of jumping and spinning. So many rings, so much platforming. Just because you know, spinning <laughs> platforms and lava, there's always got to be some lava somewhere. Always, and you'd always there's be snow. scrolling to the side, scrolling wherever that brought you. Some lava, some snow, some rain, probably an Egyptian temple. Now, I was never, 
I was never huge into Sonic. Can you go backwards or is that <laughs> does that lock you in rightward progress? Uh, I think the original would lock you. It, no, no, you could go back. No, I, I stand you correct. Could? You could okay. go back. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Some springs. Oh, I love that. I got to get that for the soundboard. That spring. The boing. Oh my God. The last thing you need is more sounds. Oh yeah, I do. I still have, I still have slots open uh, on the, on the board. <laughs> like I gotta, I gotta fill them. <laughs> and arguably I can make infinite pages. It's so on really, sale. I have to buy it. I have to. <laughs> It'll. I could save money by buying this. That's right. You save. Oh man, I love that argument. Save money by buying this. That's right. <laughs> uh, what a dystopia we live in. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know where. I mean, products get acquired, they start to suck. I wish it weren't the case. That's that's pretty much. I think that's pretty much where we're at. I don't know. I don't no. know what to do about it. Um, all right, let's see here. Other news. Uh, well, I feel like we could have just said that in the intro and then made this a 12 second episode. Like you just what are we kind of railroaded the we're, we're at the 30 second minute here. We you're right. We probably could have just saved everyone. We're like 31 minutes over at this point. <laughs> Wasting my time, man. Who's scripting this? Gosh. Hey, I remember way back when we started this episode that you actually had something you wanted to talk about and it wasn't LastPass. Or was it? I can't remember now. No, it was. It was, it was. Last, Yeah, because okay. you had asked about that. You yes, asked about that last okay. week. I figured right, I closed good. the loop. Got it. Got yeah. it. Okay. Uh so I um I'm gonna you know what? I'm, we haven't done this in a while. I'm gonna go ahead, Bitwarden. That's gonna be my pick this week. Oh, okay. Pick. Super augmented, silent, and deadly. I just might end up enjoying this. We really need to do that more often because the picks tend to be yeah. fun and interesting things. So, uh, yeah, I'll check out Bitwarden. I've been happy with LastPass. They haven't. I have the same account that you have, and they haven't done the same borked process with me. So I don't. I don't. I'm I don't sure know. it's some bug. There's weird edge case because I don't know whatever reason. But I already had Last uh, uh, Bitwarden. Like I had an account. I had the plugin installed. I was already playing with it because I kind of figured that at some point. I may want to switch and this would just that just did it for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. Still a good product, but just no longer excellent in my my opinion. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's I mean, I think that counts for something. I am only interested in using great tools. That's that's all I care yeah. about. And as I don't really care where they where they come from. You know, interesting sidebar. We um we were having a conversation yesterday. We uh, we do a Monday morning stand up and we do like a question of the week and it's just sort of an opportunity to go around, spark some dialogue, just have a little fun. It tends to be non work related. We went a little workish yesterday where we talked about uh, for our engineering team, favorite editor environments. And we got mm-hmm. all sorts of answers. You know, Vim and V and Emacs and JetBrains and Visual Studio, Sublime. Like it went it went sort of. It went sort of all uh, all over the place. But one one person made a comment about uh, how they uh, I can't remember the exact comment, but it was focused on, you know, I don't want to buy it. You know, this is a good tool. I think it was focused on Sublime. It's a good tool. I didn't want to pay for it. So I switched to Adam and I went, OK, if you're mm, if you're a broke ass, that's college, problematic. Yeah. If you're OK, so caveat, if you're a broke ass college kid, I get it. Like I was there. I've, I've totally yeah. been there, you know, yeah. use, use what you can get your hands on. You know, maybe you get a, sometimes you can get a, um, you can get a full license for something through the school, you know, education right. discount yep. falls off the truck, yep. quote unquote, mm-hmm. you know, 
you know, you accidentally stabbed the the truck's tire five or six times to make it fall off the truck. But you know, like these things happen. These th- that's all I'm saying. Not, we're not talking these from experience. Happen. Not talking from yeah, experience. I'm just a, saying it could happen. It's a nice truck. It'd uh, be a shame it'd if something bad happened to it. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. This went to like North Jersey shakedown real quick. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm from South Jersey. I can turn it on. You can turn it on. Oh, remind me. This so, will be our last episode of Refactor. Thank you for listening. And now I need a siren. You're just adding things to the list. I've got, I've got to have like, you know, I've got to have this the is, whoop, whoop. No, gotta, what if this is victim blaming. I don't accept this premise. <laughs> All your fault. The board only grows because of you. This is your fault. Oh, I don't want this on my conscience. I actually have, there's somewhere in here. I actually started a list. Yeah, new sounds to add. Let's, oh, you know what? Let's just. I'm, oh, I'm adding. He's got a list. I do. Oh, I, I, six. I, so you know what? This this is uh, you know I need Sonic Spring, and then I need a siren too. Let's see here. All right, so siren. This is fascinating theater of the mind siren, for our listenership. Whoop, whoop. All right, so right here. So I have on here. I want to get that that sounder of Rocket from the original um, Guardians of the Galaxy, where they're yelling in the bar, where Rocket says, "That is true. That is also true." Yeah, he has that argument. I, I want that that line from Rocket. Uh, we talked about a stock ticker. Need the stock ticker. Uh, Hurricane Gale Force winds, so that we can pretend. Oh, so we so, can report on so site. So we can report on site, like those. Yeah. You know, like those jack wagons who who you know are you know, lean clear, sideways yeah, when lean it's not sideways, windy. Right. Yeah. And the people are just walking in the background normally. In uh, flip flops. <laughs> flip flops. Um, the car rev peel out sound, which would go great with the siren here. You know, siren shows up, car rev peel out. I'm out of here. Uh, the uh, yeah, but that one's a little bit. It's going to leave the audience underwhelmed unless you actually leave the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm sensing a theme here from you. There's just been some consistent messaging underpinning all of the things that we've talked about today, and they all seem to end with me leaving. I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. All of the things we've discussed since December. <laughs> uh, I have the gong show gong. I never saw the gong show. Did you see the gong now you, show? Now you don't even know. Now you don't even know what your own notes I mean. Re- I mean, I wrote it down from, from you. Again, this is all your fault. This is this list. This sounds, this I, I need to rename this list. Chris's new sounds to add because this is entirely your fault. Yeah. Um, so we're going back to geology. Everything's Chris's fault, right? <laughs> You're the boulderologist that brought this nonsense up. I am a boulder. Thank you for no- thank you for recognizing my. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. Prodigious, my prodigious <laughs> skill. You're very welcome. So anyway, there's what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I got seven on there. I had rim shot on there, and uh, you know we got that one checked off. Not quite, not quite there yet. I need to up the tone a little bit. I think you've got one mm. too that's a little bit shorter and sweeter. So I may, I may. Yeah, I like yours. I like yours. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's. With the with the um the that's on the that'll be on the hi hat because yeah. uh you know they close the hi hat on it. Mm-hmm. Uh you're a boulderologist, I'm a uh, I'm a former percussionist. So there you go. Oh, okay. Yep. The things we do in okay. our in our other this, lives. Congratulations. This is meaningless to me. Is- <laughs> but I'm glad you feel good about it. <laughs> All right, you jackass. So back on track here. We uh so we were talking about you know, one person brought up you know, ah, oh, sublime, but I didn't want to pay for it. So I went to Adam mm-hmm. and okay. If you're broke, I get it. I know for a fact, none of my engineers are broke. They're, they're welcome. like paid professionals. These right? are paid professionals. And when you're a professional at anything, 
I expect you reasonably to buy adequate tools. My wife became, my wife got uh, her, her vet license. She got certified. She's got, she went and got a really nice stethoscope. You know, not just mm-hmm. the, not the, she actually replaced the one that she had in school with a higher end one once mm-hmm. she was out. Yeah. It's things like that. I have, we talk about gear all the time. I have gone through, I can't tell you how many different keyboards. Did any of them actually like break? Did I smash them in frustration? No, I decided this isn't good. I can get something better. And now I have this pile yeah, of keyboards in the background. It's the human brain though. It's it's the human brain doesn't want to trade a physical piece of paper for a non-tangible item. Yeah. You know? I, I that's gotta really? be part of it. That's psychology behind it. It's gotta be part of it. Because because I mean, I've been I mean, I've been a gamer for a long time. Steam came out and I stopped buying physical discs. I, you know, mm-hmm. I do the digital distribution thing. And while I might have been a little iffy about it because, you know, change is hard and, you know, we're suspect of it, I don't, I know I'm spending the money and I also feel like I'm getting something for my money. I'm getting an experience. Well, if you, so if you can, if you can, if one can reasonably assume that there exists overlap on the Venn diagram between gamers who, you know, pay a bunch of money through Steam and those who aren't willing to buy Sublime. That's a that's a that's an untenable yeah realm yeah, I, well, in no, which I, I feel, in which to inhabit. I feel like I feel like I I feel like this person was probably on shaky logic anyway, and maybe it was just an well anyway. Comment. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to knock. It was just a, it was an interesting it was a, it was an interesting yeah. thought process. It, it was a, it presented an interesting thought exercise for us to discuss here because on the one hand. I'm a huge OSS supporter, open source software. You, I know you are too. Uh, I have, uh, I have released open source software. I worked on Zencart, which was is one of the granddaddies of ecom platforms. Uh, there was OS Commerce, and then OS Commerce was forked into Zencart, and then literally everything came from there. I mean, we're talking the root of the tree here. Uh, Magento, which I know a lot of people are much more familiar with. Still using, yeah. Magento was based off of of off of Zencart. It was a, it was. Was their, that another fork? No, it wasn't mm. a fork. I don't want. It wasn't a fork. It was original code. But they, I know that the founders were familiar with OS Commerce and Zencart and said, "Okay, we see what you're doing. There are some things we want to do differently, so we're going to build it differently." But they, mm. but but the foundational knowledge, conceptual overlap, conceptual yeah. overlap, yeah. which is how software gets yeah. built. I think that's totally fine. It's it's, it's how we have advanced the uh, the industry so you know not knocking them for it but in terms of sequence here you know i'm going way back so i i mean i am i am og open source and i really do support it if it's the best possible tool if there's a closed source alternative depending on what i'm using that closed what arena that closed source is in then i'm totally on board so things like code editors for example i'm a huge I'm a huge fan of Sublime. Sublime is paid software. As far as I know, it's one guy who builds and maintains it. Hell yeah, I want to support that guy. Yeah. And so the fact yep. that this guy actually went went ahead and opted instead of doing the open source thing and then having the donate button, buy me a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. instead of going that route, he's actually getting paid for his work. Good for him. And yeah, I want to support him. And so I'm I'm okay with with that wall, which in is front of it. which I I don't it, I don't like this. Buy me a cup of coffee tip jar thing. Well, it's, I mean, no, no. Have a little 
have a little respect in your work and and have a spine. No, this is I mean, valuable crap that I'm putting out into the world. <laughs> uh, pay me for it, please. That's sure. like stand up, like make it's cough. Buy me a coffee. I don't. <laughs> I, I know where I know where it comes from, and I get it. I'm like, but I. I don't that, that annoys me. I don't know why. Maybe I'm being unreasonable. Yeah, it's it's a little I, I think it depends on the scenario. Certain types of software you wouldn't necessarily you know, want to buy. For example, um, front end libraries, front end JavaScript libraries. I'm, I'm not I'm not buying outside of very, very like a, like a Telerik kind of a thing. Uh, yeah. Outside of very mm. unique circumstances, I, would I purchase a a front end library for, for a couple of reasons? One. There are a dime a dozen. There's tons of them. And JavaScript just seems to be where all the kids like to learn to write code. And it leads to some, you know, often useful tools. Uh, See things like uh, jQuery, you know. And two, I feel like that's a major security issue when you've got the now the wall, the paywall actually becomes a, a, a risk rather than a benefit because you're not necessarily going to have as many eyeballs on the source code. Which, nah, it, yeah, that's how many people are actually sun, looking, though. That's sunlight's the, the best the, disinfectant. Sunlight's the best disinfectant. Right. But who's taking the tarp tarp off? Mm, elaborate on your analogy. Like, OK, great. So, I, I mean, I hate I hate that there's like a what is what is that? Uh, I forget what the rule is that like uh as the the as a as an online discussion progresses the the probability of somebody mentioning hitler, hitler converges on one there's that's uh, a that's an internet law um right. i feel like the the internet law of this discussion um godwin's law that's godwin's law godwin's law yeah i feel like there's there's a corollary and i feel like talking about heartbleed is the godwin's law of open source is more secure because it demonstrably proves that there was an unseen, unknown, unfound, critical, like severe, whatever word is worse than severe vulnerability in a piece of open source, free and Libre open source software technology that was on the market for two decades that is used by literally everybody (laughs) and nobody found it. Right. Uh, so how many eyeballs do you actually have? Now, I am flaw supporter Primo. Like I'm I'm all in. I've donated to Mozilla Corp and Linux Foundation. I use the stuff every day. I promote it whenever and wherever I can. I use it personally. Huge believer here. And I've got a lot of scars from trying to introduce open source into companies that were that were resistant to it. But I don't buy that open source is more secure. Well, there's a I I have a problem. I feel like there's actually a fallacious thinking in in your original premise using the Harpley thing. So your argument was that if it's open source, it's more secure by definition because it's you know the, there are more eyeballs on it. But what that doesn't take into account is the reality. And I don't know if there is a law. I'm gonna call it Frank's law if it doesn't exist already. You heard it here first, folks. So Frank's law. All software has bugs always, all the time. Your your software okay, is that's, never. Uh, that's mm, that's like on. saying, all right, the sky is usually no, blue, and calling no, no, that a law. No, you're, I'm no, not buying no, no, it. No, I reject st- it. Th- stick with. I me. reject it. Stick with. Me. I'm gonna reject my foot up your ass if you don't let me get this point out. So, 
because all software is always flawed, there are always bugs. There is always something broken or so always something exploitable. I won't say broken. There's always something that is. Exploitable. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you have to belabor that. Okay. Point. That is always going to be the case. So open source versus closed source flaws always exist. Okay. If we assume that foundation, then that means that in theory, everything is exploitable at some point. The goal then, like all of these security things, comes down to a risk assessment. And there is overall going to be less net risk with an open source project because of all those eyeballs. Will they catch everything? No. See Frank's law. Always going to be flawed. But the chance of there being a flaw or finding it and then exploiting it goes down because more people are naturally going to be looking at it. Now, I will acknowledge you, you made a good point. You know, you talked about all the, you know, all the eyeballs, you know, everyone was using the, the, um, open SSL, open SSL, uh, open, open SSL. Right. I, I always get the two confused. Open SSL. Everybody was using it. Was everyone who used it looking at the source code? No, of course not. I don't think I ever looked at the source code for open SSL, for example, you know, but I had the option and other people did in fact do that. Yeah, but you're the guy sitting on the park bench watching the old lady getting robbed saying, oh, somebody should help. Right. Well, so well, you're using this. It's a perfect example of how people think, great, there's software available. It meets my need. I'm going to use it. They never give it a second thought. I don't. So some, I, I understand what you're saying, because everything's buggy all the time and open source has a higher probability of a white hat looking for and finding a flaw. OK, I'll, I'll get I'll, I'll buy you that. Okay. I'll grant you that rather. The problem is there is a 10 times higher probability that black hats are looking at it and not mm -hmm. exposing those flaws. For sure. So yeah. so is it better to have fewer known and unknown vulnerabilities or better to have a few known and fixed vulnerabilities and a whole pile of stuff that somebody knows but is not publicly shared? Like you're. And I understand in any of these cases, the denominator is infinite of the fraction because everything's always buggy all the time. We're buying the premise. That's fine. Sure. But it's I don't I, I, I don't see an empirical study. I don't see evidence. And, and one is, in fact, not uh, immediately executable. I don't see evidence to suggest that most open source software is actually more secure. Now, we could have, I think. It just comes down to a question of eyeballs, which is which is my point. Something like the kernel, everybody's looking at it all the time from mm -hmm. all sides of the angle. And yeah. so yeah, I would tend to think that the, you know, 4.1 or, or 5.1 or whatever's in, in release candidate right now, 5.0, I think, uh, uh, kernel is, quote, more secure. And what, what does that even mean than like the current version of the NT kernel? Probably. Yeah, but you're, well, there is that that's that's that kernel is a container ship in a sea of other open source projects. None of those get any eyeballs ever. Yeah, but you're you, the argument you made before about, you know, closed source and how many eyeballs the you know black hats on it versus open source and the number of black hat eyeballs on it. You're you're dancing very dangerously close to security through obscurity, I think, with that. With that line. No, no, I'm not at all. No, no, no I'm not. So. You're, not. You're suggesting you're actually suggesting the inverse, which is security through transparency. And I don't agree with this. 
again, I'm somebody who uses, who pays for, who supports, who advocates free and labor open source software, and I have been for 15 years. I'm a very vocal proponent here, but in a mature analysis of the topic of security, I don't agree that it is necessarily the case that the average open source project is, quote, more secure, unquote, than its closed source competition. I don't think that is I don't think that is definitionally true. I don't think that is a universal truth that we can point to. Some are may, probably, maybe almost assuredly, but I don't think there's some correlation that says just because it's open source. It, look at look at the look at the Apple ecosystem. How many CVEs come out against Android every day versus Apple? Right? If you just look at if you just look at iOS versus Android. Closed source, open source. And it's harder to root any version of iOS than it is to root any version of Android from a, from the same year. Mm. <sighs> like I'm grounding that in a in a difficult to parse example because there are, it's so multivariate. Yeah, uh, I almost lot, hesitate a, to bring that up as an example. But there's a lot of factors but, in there. Yeah. Lot, you know, a, and never mind, of course, that Android allows you root access. And like, I'm not talking about that. I'm <laughs> right, talking about like, malicious. Yeah. yeah, I'm talking about yeah, like malicious but rooting. But you're starting <laughs> from a you are starting from a rooted state, and then vendors are, yeah. you know, de-rooting it, and then people are basically coming in and de-de-rooting it, which is, eh. I, I, okay. So it's a it's a it's a it's an analogy that has limitations, but makes some sense. I think the biggest problem with your argument is there isn't really. Uh, I mean, we can do some research and find out. I don't know if there is actually any kind of studies that would, you know, point to that 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 conclude about this kind of stuff. You know, whether well, I just I just said a minute ago, like I don't think I don't think an an objective analysis can really be done practically. Well, I don't think I don't think that's possible. Well, what I'm saying is I don't even know if anyone has attempted anything in this arena, and so I kind of want to go and find out if there is, in fact, anyone who has studied this at all. Um. I would, I would suggest in you know sort of a final analysis that it may not be, it may be harder, and this is where I kind of see it as you know, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. It may be harder to root. It may be harder to breach closed source software initially, but it's faster to fix open source software. Because well, in- and that's that's actually where I wanted to go next, because which is part of the again, risk profile for me. That's part I'm going to make profile. this whole exactly. I'm going to make this whole argument and then I'm going to say, but I still think you should use open source software. Why? Because when a flaw is found, it's typically fixed a lot faster. You and there are typically yourself. people that you go can fix it yourself. Right. If you really because in a, in a corporate environment, you look at uh, most corporate environments, what's going to happen of vulnerabilities identified. It goes through the process. It's got to be reviewed. It gets remediated. Development closes the ticket and then it's on its way. And it takes a lot of discipline at the program level. And I, and I like the way the way our team approaches this, because we we do give it serious thought because I am so security conscious. Um we try to say, okay, we had this this vulnerability identified. What else, you know, what is the broader class of vulnerabilities in which it lives? And where could those hit us? And we go looking for other things like it or adjacent to it, you know, those sorts of things. What happens on the open source side is almost immediate. One person finds a bug, it the pull request is in an hour later, 
it's merged upstream by the yep. next day after review. And then there are six other people that jump on and say, oh, yeah, we have this here and this here and this here. And then it just becomes a frenzy of all of this little bug. I, I love how yeah, agile that I love how fit how quickly that happens. That in the open leverages world, rather than, oh, Microsoft announces that uh, do be the cause because they render fonts in the kernel and there's an interpreter in your in your zero ring. Uh, <laughs> you just shouldn't look at websites until the Q3 patch comes out. You right. Know? Yeah. The, with closed source, the author becomes a bottleneck in actually resolving it. And so so I'm glad you went there because that to me. Risk profile. It's not about, you know, one being fundamentally better either way. It's about, you know, consideration of the risks. Security doesn't buy you a guarantee. Security buys you time. And so you want to approach your security in layers because each layer in theory is going to be broken. And one of the layers that you want to consider is remediation. When something's identified, how fast can you actually Get how quick the, is the response? How quick yeah. is the response? And so to me, that that to me is really powerful because Frank's law, it's all flawed. It's all broke ash. So you might as well start from that perspective of, yeah. well, let's just make sure we can get fixes out there as quickly as we can. But I think we yeah. should do some research into. No, I'm into this. I'm into this. Looking I want to see if this. anyone has yep. studied it. I just want that's yeah. my, oh, that's the only thing I'm going to. That's the yeah. only take home I want from this is. Has Back anyone to your, studied it? Yeah, I want to know this as well. But back to your original point there, I have a little bit of an unreasonable perspective because my uh, I have a very blue collar family, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and even my father uh, is a, a an auto mechanic, and so I how many tens of thousands of dollars or more I don't know uh, worth of tooling that he has bought over the years mm-hmm. um, to do his job, and then I look at it and I say. If my house burnt down tomorrow, I could set my office back up for 10 grand, like software as well as hardware. Like that's mm-hmm. that's nothing to me because the perspective, and we've talked before about how software is just a skilled trade. Um, you start thinking about the other trades and how much those folks have to put into their tooling. Mm-hmm. And we sound a lot like whiny, spoiled little brats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, hmm. Well, I would argue that really, man, this could keep going. Maybe I started the sounder too soon, uh, because I think that a lot of a lot of time and training does go into what we do. It's just that a lot of the tools and things around it are not um, are not as requisite. You know, go out and get myself a keyboard, a monitor, a mouse. You know, mm-hmm. I, I could I, I could buy a laptop tomorrow for three hundred bucks and work from that if I really really needed to. Um, well, we but, do, and, and in terms skill, of that, like we do, there's skill and practice we do like involved. a lot of skill we we make a lot of our own tools too. We do, right? Like yes, which is not something that a lot of other. I mean, you can do. go and you can you can you can have a little machine shop in your garage and you can make your next wrench, but like nobody's doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, wow. exactly. Uh, if uh, you want to fight about uh, if you want to fight about tools and how spoiled we are in software, or especially if you have insight into the security topic, uh, if there's been any analysis of whether or not open source, you know, how that compares to closed source software from a security standpoint, we would love to hear it. Feedback at refactor.work. If you want to go back and look at our archive and show notes and all that good stuff, that can all be found at refactored.work. Uh, Frank's ramblings on the internet. He lives at hotcoals, K-O-E-H-L-S dot com. I live at chris.tonkinson.com. This has been episode 36 for August 24th, 
Thanks a lot, Frank. Good stuff, Chris. I'll see you later.